0: week, I had a most humiliating experience. Elaine sent me to the store to buy some cream because she was making a cake and needed some cream, to whip the cream. So I ran to the store, I didn't run, I drove to the store, took her car, went to the store, parked it, went into the market really quick, grabbed the cream, came out, paid for it, popped into the car, put my key in the ignition and a message comes up on the face of the ignition. This key does not work. I'm like, what? It was freezing. And here I was at this market, wanted to get a greener cream, sitting there, couldn't get it. I kept doing it, wouldn't work. I pressed every button I knew. It didn't work. Finally, I took a look on the side of the passenger seat and I saw a cell phone that was not my cell phone. (laughs) Quickly, (laughs) I got out of the car and looked two cars next to me and there was our car, which was the exact same car. Got into that car, quickly put my key in, so as to not be discovered, and quickly drove out of the lot. Going down the street, I quickly realized I had left the cream in that person's car. I can't believe it. I made a quick u turn went back, and there saw my cream driving down. The lesson is it's always important to take another look (laughs) at where you are and what you're doing. Now, how does this relate to the parable of the sower? Well, simple, because (laughs) we we have all read the parable. Well, I, I assume we've all read or at least heard a message on the parable of the sower. And indeed, I've done that. And I'd like to say that usually when I've talked or taught on the parable of the sower, I typically focus in on the four soils that are there, right? But Pastor Stephen has been doing this series on Jesus, the story of the Savior in the book of Mark. And we saw that he talked about Jesus the caller, Jesus the forgiver, Jesus the brother, and he gave me the assignment of talking about Jesus the Sower. And I have to admit, usually when I go to the parable of the Sower, I focus on the soils. In fact, so much so that I remember at one point I said, you know what, I'm going to rename this the parable of the, the soils. Would that be a problem? Because Jesus gives it the name the parable of the sower. The parable of the soil isn't it interesting that we focus on things that are so much easier to focus on which are like the soils and yet what is central here is the cell fascinating isn't it now to be sure this is one of the the central i would say the central parable jesus gave to his disciples One of the things to realize is that Jesus gave some 39 parables. You know that? In all three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are the first three Gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he gave 39 parables. This particular parable is in every one of the Gospels. And it is central in the sense that he seems to make it number one. When he starts his ministry of parables. We see it in Mark chap- uh, Matthew chapter 13 as well as Luke chapter 8 and here in Mark chapter 4. The first parables. And you'll notice when Jesus begins his parables, what does he say? I don't want you to forget this. Take a look at verse 3. He says, listen, this is a command. Listen. And then at the end of the parable, listen to what he says. Verse 9. He who has ears to hear, what?" What does it say? Let him hear. This is a command. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen up. This is important for you to hear. Now, what are the elements in this pattern deserving of another look? Now that I'm onto another look, what are the elements that are deserving of the look? Well, firstly, the element of the seed. What is the seed? We find out as we compare all the um, records of this parable, the seed is the Word of God. Really? But what is the Word of God about? We find that out as we look through the Scriptures as well. In fact, Pastor Stephen talked about that in the first chapter. It's the good news of the kingdom. Jesus came to give the good news of the kingdom. Why was that important? Because... It was bad news right then for Israel because they were under Roman assault. They were under Roman oppression. They wanted a new kingdom. They wanted the kingdom of David restored, so they were looking for the kingdom. Jesus came with a message of the good news to the kingdom. One thing we need to remember is that we, as followers of Jesus, have good news for people. I was reading a book, I think I mentioned to you once before, by Philip Yancey entitled Vanishing Grace. And what Yancey says is this, he said, if you go on the street and you ask people, just on the street, just random people, tell me, um, describe what a Christian is, very often you're going to hear that people will say, what Christians are is what they're against. Is what they're against. And Yancey goes on to say, We have the best thing to be for, but we're known for what we're against. Sad. This is the good news of the kingdom. And it was good news because where the Jews were living at the time was bad news. Because they were under the oppression of an earthly king. They wanted to be under the rule of a heavenly king. And the good news is that the kingdom, the kingdom had come. But what is the word? It's good news, right, about the kingdom? But I'd like to suggest to you that the good news about the kingdom was the good news about him. Because where Jesus is, the kingdom is. Where Jesus is, the kingdom is. When the Pharisees came to Jesus, they said, uh, Jesus, uh, where is the kingdom? And he said, the kingdom of God is among you. Who is he speaking about? Himself. Where Jesus is, the kingdom is. You know what the kingdom is? The kingdom is not a realm, it's a rule. Write that down. The kingdom of God is not a realm, it's a rule. Where Jesus was, he ruled, Right? He ruled all of nature. He would get up in a boat when there was a storm, and he would say, shh, and the storm would stop. He ruled it. Who rules nature? God. He is God in the flesh who rules nature. Where the kingdom was, Jesus was. His rule. He creates food out of nothing. He takes fish and bread, and he multiplies it. Creates something out of nothing. the church is called an outpost of his king. Why? Because ideally, Jesus rules in his church, right? We are followers of Jesus. Jesus is our Lord, not our denomination, not our church. Jesus is Lord. In fact, that's one of the distinctions, believe it or not, I don't know if you know that, of the Baptist faith, is the lordship of Christ. He is their only Lord, as they state in their documents. So the seed is the message about the kingdom. In fact, Jesus, when he drives out demons, in Luke chapter 11, I think it is, he says, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then you know that the kingdom of God is among you. Very clearly. When Jesus sent out his disciples to preach, what did he send them out to preach? Do you remember? He said, "Go out and tell them what the kingdom of God is at hand." <coughs> you know why the kingdom of God is at hand? Because Jesus was at hand. Where Jesus is, the kingdom is. Okay. Then we go to seed. We got seed, and then we go to the soils soils illustrate how the kingdom is received and jesus describes that in four basic um, four basic soils with everybody right how is the kingdom received by the way you know every time we look at Jesus' ministry and then all the gospels we say wow he had crowds following him and yet he's saying that there was a resistance a hardness and people were not receiving his word right Why was that? Well, if you go to John chapter 6, you find out something very interesting. Remember in John chapter 6, Jesus takes the bread and the fish, he multiplies it, and he gives it to everybody? And then after that, he goes to another place, and the people follow him around to the other place where he goes. And and they, they give ostensibly the idea that they're there because they realize that he's the Lord. But he says, "No, you're not here because of that. You're here because of what you got from what I did." And quite frankly, a lot of people are into Christianity for what they get out of it, rather than to serve Him. It. it becomes a traditional faith, you know—something I grew up with, something I do, you know—rather than really serving Him. You know, even though Jesus demonstrated his divine power, do you notice very few truly receive his message. And we see that in the different soils. He puts his hearers in four types of soils, remember? That the farmer experiences when sowing. By the way, the farmer would go, I was going to bring my spreader, but I'm glad I didn't now. Any of you have a spreader at home? Yeah. Where, where's the stuff going spread? It goes all over the place. Well, that's the way the farmers were back in that day, too. They, in fact, they had paths that went through their fields, and they would go through the paths, and they just sprinkle, they'd take a sack, and they just throw the seed around in different places. Some of the seed fell on path, which was hard. Some of the seed fell on ground that had rock under it, limestone under it. We have lot of rock around our house. It's just unbelievable. You would not believe it. In fact, our house was built on what was once a pond. When uh, when we moved into the house, our neighbor who had been there since the building of the house laughed at us and he says, Wow, you must get a lot of water in your house. He said we don't get a drop. It's real. Apparently the guy who built the house just put gravel, just Laid gravel all over the place before he built it. It was a commercial building. But as the seed falls on rocky ground, the problem is it doesn't get root. It doesn't no have root. So we have a hardened heart that doesn't respond to the seed, just as hard. We have a shallow heart that it goes down a little bit, but there's no root because there's rock underneath. And then we have what? We have a cluttered heart. It's kind of like spiritual hoarding. <laughs> you know what hoarding is? You know, I know some people who have hoarded. I, I've been over to visit some in my church when I was in Marblehead. You, you have to go into the house like this because there's so much stuff in the house you can't get through it. But there, sometimes our lives are cluttered with stuff that kind of chokes out the primacy of Jesus in our lives. And then, of course, His fruitful. So there are three common hindrances to to receiving Jesus, right? To receiving the good news of the kingdom in our lives. Um, I call it Satan, suffering, and stuff. (laughs) Satan, suffering, and stuff. Those are the hindrances. You know, Satan just wants you to be a little bit indifferent to the things of God, and he's going to move you down that path a little more. He just wants you to get. Not too deep in the in the gospel. He doesn't want to get you deep in the word because that's how you grow in the word. You let down roots. What's the problem? What do I mean by suffering? It means that it's shallow. So when, remember what Jesus says? When the sun comes up, it scorches the earth; that the plant dies. Why? Because it has no root. And suffering, by the way, is one of the biggest things that kind of turns people away from Jesus Christ. They say, oh, God, it's good. Why is this so much suffering? But Jesus said if you follow me, there's going to be suffering. I know there are people on television who say, no, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be great. You'll be wealthy and healthy. That is a lie. That is fake news. That's fake news. In fact, the Bible says that um, anyone who wishes to live a godly life will be persecuted. Jesus says. Look, if the world hates, hates you, remember it hated me first. And then he says this in John 16: He says, In this world, you will, ha- you will, you will, get yeah, that word, will, you will have tribulation, but be of good share. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And by the way, the time we have on this earth is very brief compared to eternity. Is it not? It is. It sure is. It sure is. So we have these things that keep us. And all we have to do is go sin a little incrementally and it drives it, brings us down a path. It gets us further and further away from Christ. I don't think turning away from Christ and not receiving Him is done in an instant. I think it's incremental. I think it's either a hardening because of some issue that happened in life, it's either, it's either rocks that where our roots don't go, don't go down deep because we just decide we're not going to grow in or it's in our accumulation of stuff and things and interests that keep us from knowing him real way. And of course this lends to a hardening, a dulling, of our hearing we don't we don't hear what he has to say we don't receive them. steve brown one of my favorite preachers from several years ago used to say um, god will grease the direction you decide to go god will grease the direction you decide to go i don't know if you remember and by the way i'm not going to get into the passage on it 11 and 12, which is, by the way, one of the most difficult passages in all the Gospels. I'll read it to you just so you... Can. He said, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, never hearing, never understanding, otherwise they may turn and be forgiven. You know, at first glance, you look at that and you say, what? Is he giving this parable so that people don't understand? No. He's giving such a clear message that if they don't get it, they're hardened to it. In fact, his disciples come to him later and they say say this. um, Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? In other words, if you don't get this simple story, how are you not going to understand the others? This is so simple. And by the way, when hardness comes, it's the hardness we determine to have. God just confirms our hardness, just like he did, do you remember, with Pharaoh? Read chapters uh, 6, 7, and 8 of uh, Exodus, and you'll find when Moses went to Pharaoh to release the people, remember what it says? Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then all of a sudden it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God had a heart What? God just confirmed What Pharaoh did. Be careful of incrementally slipping down a slope to destruction. I read a story about a young man who was a graduate student at Emory University in Georgia who went up and decided to spend some study time on top of Stone Mountain. Do any of you know what Stone Mountain is? It's a tremendous um, memorial, I guess, to some Confederate um, generals. But it's a very smooth stone, it's an amazing stone. It's about 600, 700 feet high. And up on the top, there's a a perimeter gate that goes around, a fence that goes around it. They tell you, don't go on the other side of the fence. But this young grad student, I guess he decided to climb over the side of the fence, you know why? Because you look at the stone from the safe side of the fence, it looks like it's just very gradual, a very gradual decline. But what Chuck Kelly, who is the uh, police chief of that particular park, said, he said, it's deceptive. It's steeper than you think. And once you start sliding down and slipping down, you can't stop. And so this young grad student spelled 600 feet to his... his books were found on the other side, the safe side of this. You see, that's that's an end That's an illustration of our lives, how easy it is to just incrementally move away from Jesus Christ rather than move toward him. We have to fight to move toward him. You know, what do we have to do? What is it that famous quote from Edmund Burke, the the British uh, parliamentarian. He said, all that is necessary for evil to be victorious is for good men to do nothing. All that's necessary for us to go to our destruction is to do nothing. In order to be righteous, we have to fight for it. We have to go against the grain." that can hurt. It can hurt when we're in a culture that doesn't honor the things of God especially. So we see the the seed, we see the soil, but what about the sower? Just briefly. What do we learn about the sower? Do you think Jesus knew that most people who listen to him were not going to follow? Do you think a farmer knows when he's scattering seed like he is that much of the seed is not going to come up to a harvest? That a lot of it's going to be lost. You probably have to overseed in order to make sure that there's something that comes from it. And do you think Jesus knew that? I think Jesus knew that very well. But what did he do? He kept on sowing. Becoming in so. What does this say about him? Does this say something about his heart? You know, if anybody knew who was going to essentially not believe in him, it was Jesus who knew. Tell me, do you think Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him when he chose Judas? Look at him. But he chose Judas. And by the way, at the Last Supper, do you know that Judas had one of the places of honor next to Jesus? Everybody was vying to be first in line, and Judas got to be right next to Jesus. Do you think Jesus knew? What does that say about the heart of the sower who keeps on sowing seeds of grace in order to draw people to Himself? No wonder we read, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one only son. Jesus knew what was happening, yet Jesus continued to heal, continued to help, continued to raise the dead, continued to teach unabated, why? Because he loved the people he was trying to draw to himself. A couple of times in the scripture we see him saying, weeping over Jerusalem. Saying, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have loved to have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. You would not. This is the heart of the sower. And so seeds, by the way, is analogous to bringing people to him. And I'd like to suggest it's something he's still doing. The sower is still up to his work. You know, one of the passages of scripture that I think is often missed when when we read the book of Acts is the first line in the book of Acts. Listen to this. In my former book, Theophilus, that's the person he wrote to. By the way, this is Luke writing. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Began to do and teach. Yeah. Began to do and teach. Do you know Jesus is still doing and teaching? And you know how he's doing and teaching? It's by his spirit through his people. That's you. You are called to be a secondary sower to be representing him in the world, to be bringing the good news of the kingdom to people in the world. Through you, the sower still wants to bring new life to those without hope. Through you, Jesus, the sower, still wants those who are forgiven to experience the joy of forgiveness. Through you, Jesus, the sower, still offers strength to those who are carrying burdens that are too great to carry Through you, the sower still wants to release those who abound by fear in their lives. Through you, the sower still wants to make fruitless lives fruitful. You know, when Jesus is in one's life, fruit is produced. When Jesus is in, fruit comes out. In fact, I would say that's one of the evidences of whether one is truly of the faith. In fact, Paul says that to the Christians in part He says, you know, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. This is written to believers. Well, how do you do that? God is that fruit of my life. Well, what's that fruit consist of? consists of a life that's following Him. It consists of a life that's manifesting the qualities of Christ's likeness in our lives. What does Paul say in Galatians chapter 5? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, jealousy. Right? All those things. All those qualities is the fruit. How's your fruit? some of us develop better than others. I remember I had a woman who first came to Christ in our church and Marlondon. great woman. I tell you, I, I, was, I was humbled by her. Because in the first few months of her life uh, in Christ, she was just growing like gangbusters. <laughs> wow. We all grow at different speeds, right? But Jesus is still patient with us. In fact, doesn't it say in the Bible somewhere, he is patient not willing that any should perish but that all will come to repentance. but god is so patient i don't pay for, pray for patience anymore because <laughs> <laughs> Are things just the same old, same old, same old, or are things changing? Is there a movement forward? It may be slower than we'd like, but is there a movement forward? Does your life bear fruit that evidences his presence? Are you being continually amazed by his love for you? Are you spending time with him on a regular basis? You know, the primary way that God speaks to us is in his word. The primary way we speak to him is in prayer. That's how you develop a relationship. You you your time? A praying hard. Sometimes, very sadly, people give up on the star. Don't give up. By the way, he doesn't give up on like you. Even when we fail Some of you may remember, it softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Look on the portals, he's watching and waiting, waiting for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling all sinners, come home. Friends, no matter where you are, it's so still seeking people for His vineyard. He's still seeking to produce a harvest through you and use you in a way you could never have imagined before. As you come to Him and let His Spirit fill your life and produce the fruit that glorifies Him. May we pray together. Father, we just thank You so much that Jesus is indeed the sower, who is still doing his work, and amazingly, Lord, he's doing his work through us by the spirit. I would pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the role that you've called us to play as, uh, as, as many souls in this world, still proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the good news of knowing Jesus, that whoever comes to him has eternal life. Father, may that be our word for this day. May this be our word for the rest of our lives, that we would give to others, people we know, the goodness of the kingdom, that they too will experience the forgiveness, and new life you offer in him, and produce lives of fruitfulness. We thank you for this time, Lord, and we pray now that you would go before us as we uh, continue to seek to be ambassadors of yours, ambassadors of your kingdom,